Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Rickia, and this is episode number 285 of the podcast. It's the 7th of July, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Erin Rosemont. Erin shares her earliest reflections on her own schooling experience and how they prepared her for embracing the idea of home educating her children. We dive deep into the ideas of interdependence, collaboration, and kindness, and how unschooling has created family relationships that really incorporate those values. Erin also shares her thoughts on the accessibility and affordability of unschooling to the wider community and her belief that all families should have community support to make educational choices that work for them. And we talk about how she and her husband have navigated their work schedules while still unschooling so many topics we cover. Erin <laughs> has years of unschooling experience and has so many great insights to share. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Mandy Lowe and Elisa Murphy. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Elisa. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now here's my conversation with Aaron. Welcome. I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Erin Rosemutton. Hey, Erin. Hi, Pam. <laughs> now, I have really enjoyed learning more about you and your family over the last few months, so I'm really excited to learn more about your unschooling journey and experiences today. To get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and maybe a little bit about what everybody's interested in right now? Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of give you some geography, I guess, of where I am, <laughs> um, <clears throat> we live in central Ontario in Canada. And uh, we, we kind of live between, um, so my husband's family lives about an hour to the west and uh, in the city where uh, that's where he grew up. And mine is about an hour to the east, um, just in the country outside of a little town where I grew up. So we're kind of situated in between, um, which is which has been really nice because the kids are really connected with grandparents and aunts and uncles, cousins. Um, actually, my sister homeschooled for a couple of years with her kids, and they used to come here for part of the week so that we could kind of hang out and do stuff, and we've still kept connected with them. So that's kind of, it's just kind of nice to be able to be sort of close <laughs> to extended family. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, yeah, so my husband is, um, he's a tech guy by both profession and recreation, I guess I would say. So yeah, professionally, he does a lot of tech as well as administrative work. Um, and then just in his own time, it's just, yeah, he just dives in, in all kinds of ways. Um, 
and actually he really likes research. So he'll, he'll kind of, he seems to sort of like to predict what some of the technology changes are happening with certain companies and what that might, what other companies might do to respond. And then, you know, what might that look like in the automotive industry? Like he just really likes to kind of watch that evolution of, um, of technology. I am more of an outdoor person. So I really like hiking and camping and gardening. So kind of different in those respects, (laughs) but we do, uh, we both really love music and we grew up playing instruments and we, we, just love listening to music as well. And we have a really common interest in comedy. So we like to watch stand-up comics. Um, We love watching like TV comedies, old ones, new ones, um, jokes kind of flying around, texting back and forth. So so that's kind of where we, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of where we have some some commonality for sure. Um, We have been home educating uh, four kids for 18 years. So I just realized, I was just thinking about that. And I think in a couple weeks, it will be almost exactly 18 years since I sort of went to my first like homeschool, you know, park day. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of got a feel for that. Um, yeah. And I say home educating because we kind of did this, oh, decade or more of very much like unschooling self-directed stuff. And then 11 years in, we actually bought some curriculum for a little while and tried that out for a little bit because a couple of the kids were really interested. And um, my older guys were doing some online credits for things that they were wanting to do. So we sort of did a little bit of that um, for a few years and then, and then moved back out of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been a little bit of a, a dip and dive, but um yeah, so at this point, we have just two kids living here. So my 18-year-old son and my 15-year-old daughter. And then um, the oldest, she's 21. He's a couple of hours east of here. And um, he stayed. He graduated college just as the pandemic hit and managed to get a job that he was really, really hoping for, like a week before school ended. So it all kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, he does, he just, you know, when I think about what his interests are, working, he loves to work. <laughs> he loves to kind of put money together and manage time. So when he's not working at one job, uh, he kind of started some business contract stuff as well. And that has allowed him to, um, he's gotten really interested in the stock market. So he's been researching a lot, but it also gives him some extra money over and above his bills to participate <laughs> in the stock market. So he's, yeah, he's kind of getting into that. And um, I know very little about that. So it's interesting just to hear those bits and pieces. Um, he's also a really musical guy. So he writes music and both lyrics and um, the music part of it. And sports, he's always really liked, like sports. So, yeah. So then the 20-year-old, he went into culinary management and his campus is actually not too far from us. So we've been able to see him a lot. Really, it's it's been really quite nice. The food drop-offs and (laughs) all that kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, so that's been really kind of nice. And so, I mean, in addition to food, um, obviously he's interested in food and, and uh, culinary, but he's always, he's always really like bikes. I mean, like bicycles. So cycling, yes, but even just the mechanics of, of bikes. 
And probably the hugest interest is wildlife. Um, huge. And that's been forever. <laughs> so, so like, you know, we had some really interesting adventures kind of learning alongside him was always, you know, coming out of the woods with fox skulls and, you know, I would find myself in the Creek by high because he'd spotted a salmon skeleton and we were, you know, whatever. Um, probably the biggest adventure was returning a sea turtle <laughs> to the water. <laughs> Very long story about how that managed to get away. Without <laughs> there I was in the van with a big, <laughs> a great big bucket <laughs> and the sea turtle returned. <laughs> so yeah. So lots of outdoor and, and wildlife adventures. <laughs> and then my, my two that are still at home, you know, I, I thought about this question, Pam, and it's so interesting because for them, the pandemic has been a big game changer for them because the ages that they were at um, or are at, a lot of their interests had come to the point that some of the groups and materials that they were using, we actually don't have at home, right? So my son was doing a um, carpentry mentorship in a full workshop. Well, he has tools here, but we don't have the level of tools that he was using, you know, or he was really involved in basketball um, and a Canada wide skateboard community, which is, was just really cool. But a lot of those things, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a youth group. So a lot of those pieces just kind of shifted for him. Um, And similarly for my daughter, you know, it was, she was in a performance choir and art classes and ballet. And a lot of those pieces just sort of suddenly changed And because we've had quite a few lockdowns here in our province, and we were also being really cautious, just we had, um, you know, some elderly grandparents that weren't well. So we were, it it really has been a different sort of a year. Um, But you know what, they've pivoted in some neat ways, and kind of starting to see some things that that wouldn't have otherwise maybe happened. So, you know, my, my son took on an extra paper route um, has actually, it's been pretty lucrative. (laughs) So he's been able to save for some project stuff. Some, you know, he's got customers waiting for him when he does get back to woodworking. So he's been able to invest in some stuff. Um, And yeah. And for my daughter, some, you know, having done art for so many years and she can still do that at home, but again, it was different from being in the studio with, a lot of the stuff that she was working with and the materials. Um, she's just found some new, some new ways of doing things. So last week or two weeks ago, maybe she started, um, it's a storytelling through digital photography uh, workshop. So she's been working on that this week. And that's kind of just that one workshop. She started to look at more of that. So you see that kind of spark happen. And the other thing she's really is, is languages suddenly. So she wanted, she decided about a month ago, maybe two months ago, she asked me if I'd like to learn Latin with her. So, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So we've been really heavily into Latin and what I hadn't realized when she was getting into all these languages, I didn't realize how she had been. I knew she knew a lot of French, um, she's been learning some Cantonese and Italian. She knows a lot of Italian and I had no idea. So, and when I'm thinking about it, I can kind of see that thread over the year, like over this past year, she was watching a lot of um, YouTube. Uh, like, so you'd have 
three different people, maybe one from Australia, one from Canada, one from the US or Britain, and just talking about different expressions and intonations. And I've really been noticing a lot the last few months that she'll, I don't want to say critique, but sometimes it feels like it. Like I'll say something and she'll say, oh, that's interesting that you put the emphasis on that syllable. I would have... So I've been, when I'm thinking about it now, I can see that there's been this kind of language mm-hmm. interest for a while now. So, yeah, so that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I love that level of detail, Erin. It's so fascinating. And, and it's, it's so true, right? That so often we don't see the connections between the things until we're like looking back for a while, until it becomes, you know, much more obvious like let's learn latin together right so it's like languages and then through that you're picking up and noticing stuff that you had seen but now you're connecting Mm -hmm. them and building that thread right which is why so often we talk about like just supporting whatever they're into at the moment without like projecting forward that they're gonna do something in particular with it because you never know all the little twists and turns it's going to take, right? So true. Yeah. So true. And it's so fascinating to look back. And the other piece that jumped out too is the, the wide areas of interest, right? How even, you know, something we've talked about lots, but it's just so fascinating how even in the same family, kids will be attracted to different things when they have the space. Like it's not... In, in the family, the kids kind of do this and, and the parents sign them up for the things that they feel a well-rounded childhood or whatever is, um, even with all the best of intention, but it, it's much more typical. And when kids are free to choose uniquely what they are interested in, it's just so different and so fascinating to see. Like from the stock, like things that parents might not even be interested in, right? Stock market stuff. And I know <laughs> we've talked before about, about um, the, the skateboarding community. And we had talked about, you know, my son and his karate community and, and um, stunt community, how supportive and just really nice. So many of those communities are, and the pandemic stories, how, they, how a lot of that has shifted for them, but they've found other things, right, that have caught their interest that they can do within the situation. You know, so it's not like it's fun, but it's still that curiosity is still there, right? That's still, oh, gee, within the constraints that I have right now, what else can I do? Because I find there's so often a lot of things that they would be interested in pursuing given the space, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes me think, you know, my, my daughter had kind of gotten back into sewing and learned a bit of quilting. And so just kind of shifting that artistic mm. piece in, in ways that she might not have otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. And you hinted a bit at the beginning about your journey. So I want to um, dive into that, how you discovered unschooling and what that move looked like. But I really uh, liked that piece. You talked about how you were unschooling for a while and then you brought some curriculum in as the kids were interested and were curious about that. And then, and it fell by the wayside too, after a while, like it is so fascinating to see when you're not so worried about the 
definitions of things and are we doing it right and can we call it this, that, or the other thing, you know, when you're actually focused with your kids and helping your kids pursue things that they're interested in, in the ways they're interested in, it doesn't matter so much about what it looks like from the outside is what I'm trying to get to. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 So how did you first discover unschooling? Because yeah, I guess that was probably around the same time I did too, but I didn't know anybody doing it. You would be a little bit ahead of me. Maybe your kids are a little older, but, but I guess you didn't start at the beginning quite. Exactly. So it was 2002 when, when we got started. Okay. Yeah. And I think we were like the beginning of were we 2000, 2003, maybe. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so I think it was like, it would have been 2003. Yeah. So around the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about this question and I think there were a couple of two, maybe three pieces that kind of came together as I'm sure it is with lots of people and kind of came into alignment. And I think what actually set the stage, if I'm thinking about it from my own perspective, even I can see some threads starting back when I was really little and some observations that I started to make when I was like in kindergarten. I I have like these vivid memories of things that didn't make sense to me, Um, but you don't know there's any other option. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, we, so where I grew up, it was a rural community. We didn't have uh junior kindergarten. And actually, I think lots of places in the world don't necessarily, but here in Ontario, we have the kind of the two years of kindergarten. So um, we didn't have that, but we had like this really little country nursery school. And it was quite lovely, actually. I remember there were goats and there was this lovely teacher. It was a lot of outside stuff. And I went for about six weeks. And then I think I got struck throat or something. I can't remember, but I just decided not to go back. Like I, and there was no real reason that you know I think my parents just said they couldn't I just couldn't see any reason to go back it's like I had done that it was over (laughs) I'd had the experience and then so moving into kindergarten would have been my first kind of school you know being in a larger group setting and it was still a small rural school but I remember um, my first assembly and to me even though it was a small school it it was kindergarten to grade eight. So there would have been nine classes and that still seemed pretty big at that point. And I remember all the classes filing in um, and then a teacher would sit at the end of each row, you know, with their respective class. And I remember asking my mom, telling her about the assembly and saying, why do the teachers sit on chairs and the kids all sit on the floor? And she, (laughs) she said to me, well, you know, there's a lot of traffic in the gym. There's people coming in and out. The floor is very dirty. The teachers can't sit on the floor. It's it's too dirty for them. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, I mean, I wasn't upset about it, but I just really, that was a really strong memory for me that I was like, oh, but, but the kids can sit on the dirty floor. <laughs> and I mean, thinking back at that time, a lot of the teachers wore suits and skirts. I mean, it really did make sense for them to be in a chair for lots of reasons. But I think I just had a lot of observations like that. Um, I actually remember my first mistake that I made in school. And, you know, I, it, it, it um, those kinds of things just had an impact on me. And 
not in a big way. They just stuck in my mind. I think we were supposed to be, we were coloring produce and you were only to color the fruit. And I got in the flow of coloring and suddenly I realized I was halfway through a potato. (laughs) And I knew I was like, oh, (laughs) and I just remember it being kind of a big deal. Like the teacher got called over to the table and it was like, oh, because nobody was making a mistake on these sheets, right? So it was just this sense almost of like trickery, like I'm enjoying the coloring, but that's not actually what they were asking us to do. They wanted to know something different. And so they had us do this to find that out. And it was like, so all these little things and even just, I don't know, Pam, even just like reading groups, you know, I, because there were a few of us who really were getting into reading in kindergarten. And I remember my teacher got in trouble because she was letting us read and it wasn't in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And then in grade one, we had um, like reading group one, two, and three, and it was very leveled, very, very leveled. And I just remember, like, if you gave me a class list now, I could tell you who was in those groups. And that really stuck with me, the labeling of that in a weird way. Like, I don't know why I was thinking about these things, but it just really those kinds of things just really stuck with me and a lot of just a lot of the way that certain kids got treated. I just always noticed it. Um, And so finally, I guess I just remember riding home on the bus one night and my house was near the end of the route. And so most of the kids were off and I can remember having this thought of like, Oh, now I can be myself. So there was just, I think it was maybe I was starting to realize I was an introvert too, didn't have the language for it, but And I would get home and just like develop stories and write poetry. And I had all these things. I wasn't writing, but I was creating it all the time. And so leaving, leaving school was just always the time when I was really learning. And I could see that somehow, you know, at that age, I don't know. (laughs) It just, I did fine in school. It wasn't, but it just was never something I really felt I could be myself. Um, yeah, kind of felt like there was a persona and the real learning happened when I got home. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know it is so interesting. And it's, it is valuable as we move to unschooling to really think about our experiences because, you know, we notice those pieces yeah. that, you know, at first it's like, yeah, I did fine in school and you move on to the next stage and the next stage, right. As you're just following the path. So to take that time. Yeah. I, there are definitely some times that that stick out for me too. Um, from there's kindergarten one, there's a grade three, one. like you remember the grades, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can see the faces. Yeah. And, and the, the judging of the kids from just from the teachers, but yeah, I mean, everybody, we we're still doing our thing and learning our things. But yeah, it is interesting to bring the lens, that lens back and look at our school years and just start to see them, with, I think, with a fresh eye. Really yeah. helps us realize what was actually going on. You, you know, when we were in it, there were these flashes of things, but then you you had the next day and you had the next day, right? So now That's we right. can start weaving the connections between those things and starting under, to understand a little bit more um, the impact on us, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, so yeah, so very much 
you know, from the outside looked like I was doing fine. But even in, in my last year of high school, I kind of fast tracked so I could get out. <laughs> but I, but again, I didn't know there was another option. So when my oldest was um, a baby, I was going, I was out for a walk with another mom and she told me um, that she was planning to homeschool. And I was like, what? Sorry. <laughs> and then she told me she had been homeschooled her whole life. And so that was like, wow. Um, I had maybe heard the word, but I don't think I associated it with, you know, people that I would be who were literate and had children and her like, I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but I didn't, it really wasn't a word that I had much familiarity with at all. So I was like, Oh, wow. And so she described it and I, you know, so it didn't take much for me because I had always kind of been trying to navigate away if I could. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I was quite interested and kind of tucked it away because I think my son was only about three months. I mean, we weren't there yet. Right. But then over that year, it's like so many things in life. Like we were at like a family resource center and there was a mom there and she was, her kids were older and she'd been unschooling for quite a while. So she was telling me about that process. And then I went to, it wasn't La Leche League, but it was kind of like an offshoot group. Um, And there, there was a homeschooling mom there. And so I was like, okay, here's somebody else. And then I had applied for uh, like a very part-time contract and the woman who hired me, um, she was an unschooling parent and she and her husband, I guess they kind of shared work and shared, you know, parenting. And so I was really interested in that because I thought, oh, wow, like, okay, you can navigate some things here. And so it just kept coming up and, and coming up. And I think at that point, I wasn't so much worried about what kind of like I was just excited to not to have the choice not to go to school (laughs) what we did within that time at that point was not even that interesting to me well not that it wasn't interesting but I wasn't worried about a label of any kind I was just excited um that there were people that were making a different choice and uh yeah I thought that was pretty cool um so I think over time I well not even over time even before school age I could just see that learning in action, right? So I could, you know, my son would set up big, like the whole room would become things, right? So for example, if it was a NASCAR race, he would have this huge collection of cars set up on the racetrack. And there was so much story even in the race. So he would have all the different drivers, all the different NASCAR drivers were doing things. And so there was the big, picture story but I could see all the little kind of academic-y things within it right so it would be he learned his double digits from the NASCARs so and then he'd be like you know the 88 is overtaking the 55 he's in fourth no wait wait he pulls back he's in fifth and so you could see like the ordinal and cardinal number like it was just (laughs) so it didn't seem like the type of thing that you know I would pull back and oh, he's interested in this, let's do a unit study about, like, it was all just driven all the time, you know, from him. Yeah. And it was, it was other times it was animals and all these habitats. And so I could just see that there were so many pieces coming out of each thing, (laughs) out of each thing. And it really kind of flowed pretty well, um, kind of from an attachment connected parenting point of view, uh, all of that just 
it just seemed to make sense to kind of keep on that, that wavelength. Um, and I didn't really, so the big key for me, he was very extroverted and life just went better for everybody if he was able to kind of fill his cup and really engage with people. And so I was really looking for community. And so, you know, I tried a few different things and I did start to learn a little bit more about different, different styles. Um, But there's still a lot of, like, I remember uh, going some distance away. Uh, We were invited with a family that had older kids. And I remember being introduced to a 15 year old girl and the woman who had invited me said, Oh, this is, I don't, we'll call her Amanda. This is Amanda. And um, she's 15 and she's this and she's this. And, um, and she's never used a curriculum. And I, I was like, okay, that's great. <laughs> I, like, I wasn't even sure. You know? And I had been doing some of the reading, but again, my son was little and I, you know, I hadn't even really been thinking about curriculum, Like I was probably not planning to use curriculum, but I wasn't necessarily calling it anything in particular. So it took a little while to, like, I remember going to the science center with another family as well. And I just remember being really tired when we left because I felt as though, and they were, they were unschooling. um, But the way that they thought of it was like everything the child did was a teachable moment. So we were, it was like, Oh my goodness. I don't know if I could like follow my child around. (laughs) It was like, they were the curriculum basically. Right. And, and they were sort of, so it took me, yeah, just kind of some time to figure out what was what. Um, And in the end, I ended up connecting with a homeschool group that was really had all kinds of people. It, it, it really wasn't about, it was about uh, connecting with the kids. It wasn't, we really weren't talking a lot about methodology. So whether somebody did a math workbook before heading to see the salmon didn't matter. <laughs> you know, it was just, and so that was perfect for us because there were so many families and that was really um that was a really good sense of, of community and it was just nobody really cared what framework. I remember one parent night people were invited to bring their curriculum or share curriculum. And I remember being a little nervous and thinking, okay. <laughs> and I brought some, I just brought some books we were reading and some different things he was doing. I didn't really bring too much, but you know, a lot of people didn't. And I realized that everybody was so different that it was fine. So we were just kind of doing our thing and not really worrying too much about what it was called. I think Pam. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And and just, that's it. When you're just um, hanging out with your kids and seeing what they're doing. And like you said, you're noticing that the thing, the things that they're learning. Right. And then I just, I love the story of your experience at the science center too, seeing that difference where they aren't, where they still have a a curriculum or a point in mind, right? And that they're taking that moment and trying to help their child get out of that moment what they think they should get out of that moment, right? Which is a way, but when you step back as not as in not playing or whatever, but as in noticing what they're they're picking up and you come to value what they're picking up because that's when the learning is so meaningful to them, right? Because that's where their mind is in that moment, right? You know, maybe they go 
to some exhibit at the Science Center and what they love about it is the story behind it, you know, and they're, they ask you to read the board or they're reading the board themselves and that's what they love about it. Whereas if we come in and, you know, maybe it's in the space exhibit. I love the science center too. <laughs> but we're going in there and talking about the physics of the orbit or, you know, what planets in what order and that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. That may be interesting to them, but it's not where their mind was in that moment. So that can easily kind of be forgotten as you go to the next exhibit, right? Because it's like, yeah, right. Okay. 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 Yep. They're in that order, but then it's kind of lost. It's not weaving into their understanding and learning longer term, which is what happens when you're just excited in the moment and you're picking up what you're most curious about, right? There's, there's a difference in those kinds of styles of learning, right? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And it feels so, um, yeah, yeah. It just felt like there was such an agenda and I, we just wanted to go and enjoy ourselves. (laughs) So, but yeah, it takes some time to, you know, and it's, it's not about, you know, this is, this is unschooling. This isn't, it just, you know, they can identify themselves however they like it. Just for me, I was like, Oh my goodness. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I intense. think like for me that especially in that first year as we were moving to unschooling um it was so valuable for me like we got a membership at the science center you know and at the museum because that that felt right and I would I would be holding myself back right to watch them because talking with experienced unschoolers you know they they talked about that not jumping in and directing and so it was really helpful for me to realize what I was interested in to jump in with and and part of that process was like, oh that's what I'm interested in about that see then later when you can go without the agenda you can excitedly go in and be part of the conversation and share and point out the pieces you love without the expectation that that's what they should be learning, but they're sharing the pieces that they love about it too. And that's when all the conversations, the conversations just get richer, right? When everybody's excitedly sharing what is connecting for them. It's it. Yeah. It's just so fascinating to see, but it was so valuable for me to hold back because that was part of my de-schooling and seeing, okay, just because they're not learning what, I thought they should be learning from that exhibit. I could see all the other things they were because I didn't jump in with my agenda up front. And and that is where you start to um, gain the experience with how kids, people, humans really are wired to learn in a moment, right? And when you can see that, that's where your trust in the process, your trust in your kids, all that stuff starts to really develop when you give it the space to actually unfold more naturally. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. No, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So they, so (laughs) your oldest never did go to school. So when school age came, you just kind of kept going. Yep. Yeah, he didn't. Um, We did actually, we did attempt uh, like a private two afternoon a week. Um, The intention was certainly to homeschool. I think his friend was going and I was hoping that it might give me a little time with the younger kids, that was my, but he wasn't having it. So, <laughs> so no. 
<laughs> that was our only, we, we kind of made a, a little attempt like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. He decided on his own. He did his last couple of years of, of high school. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted to do that, but certainly in those early years, no. <laughs> so. oh, and then of course he wanted, then when he did want to go, I really didn't want him to go in high school. <laughs> There was, you know, there was no winning there. It was just <laughs> the way it goes, right? You learn so much from them, don't we? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I remember that as I was embracing unschooling, that just like I was talking there about the Science Center trip, so much of that work was internal focused on connecting and supporting and engaging with my kids rather than teaching them. That was what I was learning as I transitioned there. But certainly it can be hard to imagine uh, and understand what that actually looks like in practice, right? Like I said, it was experienced unschoolers just saying, you know what, just relax for a bit, just see where they lead you. Um, and But it can be hard at first because you come with these expectations isn't the right word, intentions, you know, all good intentions that we want them to learn these things. And we want to help teach, like, what are we going to do instead of teaching them? How are they going to learn the things? Anyway, all that to say, I would love to hear what that kind of um, transition looked like for you and how you approach your unschooling days. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I just agree. It is absolutely our work. (laughs) Like it doesn't end really. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Each each age and stage just brings, and I think to each new interest or aspect of an interest, I find there's a little bit of work to do because I think for me at least, you know, if if I'm kind of getting engaged in something that they're involved in and you're kind of and then they move out of it. And I'm still a little bit there. So like, for example, I had that happen with, uh, with my daughter's choir, for example, I, you know, she was really excited to join and it required quite a lot of parent involvement. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do this. I'll be the choir parent and, you know, help supervise the sleepovers, do the whole thing. And then over time you get to know the other parents and the kids and it even became, it kind of became part of my schedule. Like I would do some work while she was in practice. Like I had, we made it work. Right. And then when they say they're maybe wanting to move on or thinking about moving on, there's like a little bit of, it's like, Oh, but I just worked to get here. (laughs) And now you're switching. And so, you know, I think I described it in the network. There are these little pieces of grief that I find, and some of them are, you know, maybe larger decisions like that, like really moving on from something that they've they've been part of and, and has maybe been part of their identity. Um, and then sometimes it's just smaller things, you know, like inviting them to do something, to watch a movie or to do something and no one's interested in it. You're just a bit disappointed. But so there's and then there's bigger ones still, right? Where people are making life decisions that are really hard, hard as a, as a parent. So I do think that coming to terms with the fact that there's just this work every day that are little, just anticipating it. Um, I remember we had a few years that were just really smooth. Like 
we were just really in our sweet spot. And I think the kids, you know, they were out of car seats, but they weren't yet thinking about future plans. Like it was just this really good chunk of a few years. And um, I think I felt really confident at that time. I did. I, I, we were like, we were rolling. We'd been doing this for a while and everybody was kind of aligned, um, different interests, but it was still working. And then, you know, we started to hit ages where people wanted different things, right? Somebody wanted to try some provincial credits and somebody else wanted to stay really free flowing. And I was like, Whoa, who are we? (laughs) What's going on? Um, And it was a little overwhelming for a while because it felt a little, uh, it just felt out of the zone that we'd been in. And I think when we get overwhelmed, I don't think I'm the only one. (laughs) We tend to like, we feel out of control and we want to pull some control back. Right. So for me, what that looks like to probably to my children, at least um, let's say somebody is really spending a whole lot of time on the iPad. And for some reason, that's just, They've given up something else. And I'm like, what? You know, they're on the couch all day. What's going on? You know, what that can look like for me is suddenly, you know what? We need to go for a hike tonight. Like, because <laughs> for me, going for a hike solves most of my problems. <laughs> so, so that's where I go. It's kind of like, okay, we'll all, you know, we'll connect, we'll get outside. Um, but I can suggest that and, and, and quite possibly nobody's interested. And usually they have other plans for themselves, right? They're diving into stuff there. And so the very thing that I'm feeling overwhelmed about is often actually a real point of excitement for them because they're diving into something new. So it's like, I'm feeling out of control and they're actually feeling a sense of autonomy and, and control about either making a decision to leave an activity they were done with or diving into something online. And I just don't get it yet, you know, what what they're doing. And so there's this (laughs) mismatch. (laughs) So I don't know, like, I think what I have been working on the last few years is really just keeping anchored within myself so that I can kind of have a little more clarity around, I guess, where I end and they begin, because I think that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's just um, when you're spending time together and you're trying to make things work for everybody and you're facilitating stuff. um, My tendency, I can take things a bit personally sometimes if they change or people aren't interested. So I've just been trying to, to use one of your terms to stay open and curious (laughs) about what it is that they're, you know, shifting gears with and um, being really just being curious with myself, about what is this feeling? Am I disappointed? Am I scared? Am I angry? Like what's, what is going on that I'm coming in and going, okay, we're all going for a hike. (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite that. I don't (laughs) know. That's an aggressive version of that. Karen, that's amazing. That was amazing. There were so many great pieces in there that I love that you said, I don't know what they're doing or what they're getting out of it yet. Like that yet is really important to understand that recognizing that when we're feeling uncomfortable, um, which can feel like kind of a loss of control because we don't quite 
know what's going on yet, especially as our kids shift from one thing to the next. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, now I lost my thought as they shift. Yes. That when we're feeling uncomfortable, that tendency to think about the things that bring us comfort and wanting everybody else to do that, right? That's what brings us comfort and control. And, oh, you know, I know when I go out for a walk, everything's going to feel more centered. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be able to reset. And part of it is we want everybody else to do that too. Like, because we're feeling out of control with other people in the family. So without thinking almost, we just kind of feel like this will reset everybody. This will, this will reset my relationship that's feeling a little bit out of control or, or uncomfortable with my kids or with one or two of them. Like, here's where we can get ourselves reconnected. But understanding that we're wanting to reconnect on our terms and the things in a way that makes us feel comfortable, it's okay. But understanding that it's totally okay if that doesn't sound good to them either. <laughs> and to realize, you know, well, maybe like, like that's part of the work that we were talking about earlier too, right? It's really okay. Like I tried to get them to do my thing. If I, if connection with them reconnecting so often helps us better understand what's going on. Like, even if we're not literally talking about it, we're seeing what they're doing. We're seeing what's catching their interest. We're seeing that that their eyes lighting up when they're doing whatever the thing is. Right. So it's, it's, it was so helpful for me to remember, okay, just because they won't, or they aren't interested in coming here. That doesn't mean we can't connect. I can go to them. Right. And then I learned so much more. And like every single time I did that, the uncomfortable, not like immediately, but I could process my way through the uncomfortableness because I could actually see what was going on for them. It's like, oh, yeah, look, they're excited. Right. They feel in control. They're like diving right in there. They feel such agency you know, all that stuff you don't see when you're standing over here going, jeepers creepers, I just want to go for a hike. <laughs> so much, and I love the way you describe that is understanding that um, the boundary, like where where they end and, and we start, like, because we are dancing with them all the time, like understanding, like for me, um, the way you phrase that, that's just a beautiful way to um, describe you know, the walk versus connecting with them over what they like, right? Like understanding that my interests don't need to be their interests, like seeing where I end and they start and where I can choose to come and join them. And I can invite them to come with me, you know, all those different pieces, but understanding that we're still two different people, right? Yeah, exactly. And I find that the more that, the more that I just kind of uh, engage in my interests and sometimes I mean there's seasons of life for all of us we have more time than others there might be a, there's some days when you have young kids it's really hard um, but you can still be verbally you know showing them the things you're interested in so and I find that they are they're very interested in the fact that I'm interested in things so they will so for example you know I'm just really obsessed with things like you know <laughs> We've had a whole mating ritual of the cardinals and our rabbits are back and there's a fox in our backyard. So I'm watching all this interplay all the time and I'm really the one interested in it. 
but they're always calling me, right? Mom, your cardinal's back. He's doing this. He's, and they are actually very interested in my interests for me. Yes. <laughs> it's not, it's not that they are being rude or won't engage. They are. And they will almost like strew stuff. Like they'll bring stuff to me based on my interests, but it's clearly my interest. Right. And that's the difference. I think yes, like, like- we could talk forever Aaron but there's two pieces there that really jumped out for me like one is just as we show so much interest and joy in their interests you know and we are happy to engage with them and stuff but what that does is show them how interest how fun it can be to just share the joy of being really interested in something right? There's still that connection. It doesn't literally need to be about the interest. Sometimes, you know, for kids playing a game or watching a show over and over or whatever, um, we aren't so much interested because we, especially when they're younger, we've seen it, uh, you know, 10 times already. But boy, we can sit there and enjoy their excitement. We can sit there and look at the fun on their face and, and just sink into that, right? So it, it, they really pick up that they're, they're just excited that we're excited about something. And I think the other piece that that really helps is with the idea of lifelong learning. For our kids to see learning and enjoyment of life in action as, a, as adults, like just learning is happening in our family, no matter what the age, no matter what it is that we're really excited about. But it happens for human beings, right? So I think living it alongside your child and just being curious about the things that you're curious about. You don't have to force yourself, but it it might take some peeling back because we've grown up kind of learning, you know, kids learn and adults, you know, work or, you know, you're done. As an adult, you're done. You know, you know what you know, you know, you should be able to answer all the questions, you know, so to get kind of that childlike wonder and engagement with the world and being open and curious and just exploring the things that are interesting to us, living that alongside our kids is just so beautiful because yes, they are excited for us. And then they start, you know, they'll, my kids will send me a video, you know, about something. They'll call me to the window when they see the turkeys walking through the property because they know I love turkeys. Yeah. And then that, that's just another level, I think, um, of unschooling where the whole family is just engaged and living and learning together and just kind of supporting each other. It's another level where it's not about adults and kids doing different things. It's about human beings living together and enjoying what they're doing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Now, over the years, um, you have woven together unschooling and some paid work. You kind of alluded to that earlier. So I thought you might share a little bit about what that looked like and how you navigated that. Sure. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I feel like I've navigated it better than others. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly right. So I I had started some very part-time work you know, I guess a day a week and an evening a week um, when my oldest was one. And it was really at that time, it was very much around my husband's schedule and my son's schedule. And it was pretty, um, it was more, it was actually nice, right? My dad would come and 
ride his motorbike up and take care of us. <laughs> it was good. And um, my husband had, I guess, a few years after that. So I continued to work part time. And then um, his company did very fast layoffs at a, a job that we thought had a lot of job security. And it was like an overnight thing that, that happened in the company. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of expanded what I was doing um, very quickly. <laughs> Just like, okay. And so I was very thankful really to have that opportunity to be able to kind of expand. Um, so I, I work in social work and counseling, and that's kind of had a few different faces over the years. For the most part, I do longer term planning and coordination with families um, within the realm of neurodiversity and both children and adults, but very much um, people who are choosing to live individually. So, so, so not kind of uh, group homes or day programs, but really kind of working with their, their whole individual life, which I really enjoy. Um, And then I was also a, a prenatal educator and a doula for a lot of years. So, it was a few different things going on. Um, and you know what? I think we found some creative ways to to figure it out for a couple of years. I really dove in until my husband kind of got himself back on track. And then we kind of each shared. We had our own contracts and we kind of both decided to navigate that. And that has worked actually pretty well for the most part. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation because I think it holds a lot of people back, excuse me, from um, either unschooling or homeschooling. And we, oh, I don't know. I remember, you know, if I had board meetings, like we, every basketball court and library near buildings, like the kids would come and we'd bring snacks and I'd check in with them partway through. So there was a lot of that kind of thing. And there was some trading off with another mom where I would have her crew for the day. And then, you know, she would have, have mine another day of the week, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but it can also be pretty hectic. Like it, it can be, um, I can remember one time trying to take, cause some of these calls are con- quite confidential. So trying to have a quiet phone call at home and the kids were fairly young and I, I remember it was a fairly intense call and I came out to the living room and there are like huge bags of Oreos all over the place and like just big things of pop, which normally I mean, we have them, but not in the middle of the, I don't usually have them. And I said to them, where did you guys find all these? Cause I think they've kind of been, there were a large volume. They've been put away for like an event or something. And my son said, well, you, you came out and threw them to it, threw them at us partway through the conversation. I have no, <laughs> I have no memory of firing bags of rows of my children. But sure enough, I went and there was a chair because I can't reach the top because I had them stored. I'm like, oh, I subconsciously was so much trying to stay present with this phone call. <laughs> firing food at my kids, right? And so, so as much as there was some really, you know, some great workarounds, you know, there definitely have been some times that have been tricky to kind of stay, stay present and stay and stay focused um, for sure. And I think another piece that I, I needed to let go of a little bit. And I think I talked about this in the network one time, I had this feeling that life began when I got home from work. So it was like, 
I would plan everything so that kind of everything had been done for the day and then I would work in the evenings. Or if I did have to work in the day, I remember just like, just really trying to get home because then we could start whatever. And, you know, I started to find all these amazing photos and videos that, so if it was a time that my husband was home with them, um, really cool green screen stuff, like all this cool stuff he was doing. Um, if it was a time we were both working, even just talking about my, to my friend about the different things they were doing. And I, I was able to let go a little bit of, it has to be all about me and, and my time. But I'm kind of in a few directions here. I'm realizing that I do think, you know, if, if in going online and kind of looking it up, you know, homeschooling and working, a lot of times they're sort of give you a list of hacks, you know, 10 ways you can rock, whatever. And I'm not, I don't know. I'm just making this up, but it's that type of thing. And so often it's about, you know, how can I put it? Sort of assigning seat work at a certain time while you're doing this or coordinating this. And the problem is when you're kind of like whole life learning, it doesn't look like that. It's, you kind of need to be there. You need that connection. You need that. So I think I've always gone back and forth a little bit in my mind with really trying to appreciate that there is good stuff happening when I'm not there, but also recognizing that it's hard because you kind of need to see the big picture to feel comfortable sometimes, I think. So, so I'm not, you know, Pam, I have no answers. I'm just, it's just something that I think is interesting to explore because I think so many people, especially after this pandemic, so many people are interested in um, trying some different things, but I think many people are held back by figuring out how to, how to navigate that. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love you sharing that piece, like both the, the, the different views, different aspects of it, because again, you know, ups and downs and flows, and, you know, I love the way you were paying attention to you can be able to, to say sometimes you, you felt like you, you really needed to know that bigger picture for, for me. Um, and I didn't try to do work outside the home or, or, or stuff like that while, while they were younger, it was, you know, fi- finding moments to write, like, you know, uh, the books and stuff that I've written over the years and hosted conference and stuff like that. I think something that, that can help is, is um, really, I think it's about feeling out how your kids are feeling and how you're feeling with the arrangements. And then there's the constraints, you know, like when your husband was laid off quickly and immediately, um, <clears throat> you know, being, able to play with it like like you were saying sometimes it's a fear like I don't even want to start because number one you know can I even do it if I'm I'm working right I I need to quit one parent needs to be home all the time you know um but playing with that knowing that there's possibilities knowing that there can be ways to figure out creative ways to find how, you know, maybe you've got some family closer. Like you said, sometimes your husband was with them while you were out. Sometimes you had like your dad or whomever come over or the other family, or they came with you. Like there are just 
a lots of possibilities of how things can unfold. And then it's a, really about checking in with ourselves. Like that separation, that layer you peeled back about, you know what, life can go on and they can be having um, fun and being engaged without me being there. So getting to that level of comfort, but then also the paying attention to, you know, how am I feeling about it? How do they like, you know, if they are consistently getting upset when we're not there, you know, that's something to look at and, and play around with and talk with them about, have those conversations. So it, it really is. It's not a one answer fits for everybody right? It's, it's something that you play with that changes as well over the years. So I, I love that you wanted to talk about this because it doesn't necessarily need to hold us back. And again, it's more about the individuals involved. Like I know there's been some unschooling parents who kids, especially when their kids were younger, were not comfortable with them leaving. So they would make other arrangements, you know, um, maybe if they could, they left work for a while, maybe they figured out ways to work from home more, you know, university professor who went and did online classes, instead of going into the school, like shifted her work that way. There are just creative possibilities, when you kind of open the box and start being curious about it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that, um, you know, it, it can be a lot. And I think it's really okay if, if you don't need to, and it doesn't work. You know, I think there's so much pressure for people to do all the things and maintaining a family and a home is a lot already. <laughs> and that's kind of been forgotten a little bit. So I, yeah, I think there's all kinds of ways to, to think about it. Yeah. 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 It's just, just opening yeah. the, opening the box up a little bit more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I wanted to mention your blog, Ever Learning, because I've had oh. so much fun over the last few months reading around there. And one post, I went back there before our call, and one post that really spoke to me was shining our light, kindness as mindset, because I really, I really sunk into it, because it's not about the big grand gestures, really. Like, those are fun, and those are awesome. But that's not the only way to connect. That's not the only way to be kind. Those small moments of everyday kindness really do make such a big difference, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. And I think I wrote that post. I think it starts with my son and his paper route. I think it, it had to do with just those little pieces and the way that the the customers, you know, were appreciating him or not. And um yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't thought a lot. I mean, I think we always think about kindness, but I hadn't really thought about how it flows into our life and our families just in those little ways. Um, but all those little things, I think, I find if I just make a point of really being intentional about just all those things, really saying good morning, bringing snacks, you know, being in a store and seeing a new kind of food and thinking, I think so-and-so would love that. And it is all those little things. And it kind of, it's just kind of like loading up the front end of things. You know, it, it, it it's just really kind of bringing all this lovely energy. Um, and I was, it, you know, really, there's a blog, uh, Taking a Kinder Path, um, Haley. And, and <clears throat> 
that was how, you know, she also writes a lot about home education. And I started reading that and I thought, yeah, there's such a connection here with kind of attachment parenting and um, the way we kind of go about our life with our, our kids. And um, I can remember we had, you know, we've had paper routes for a long time and I would often be out there, especially if it was really hot or snowy or whatever. <clears throat> and we had a couple people kind of holler out, whose paper route is this anyway? You know, I wish my mom had done my paper route for me. <laughs> really insinuating that I shouldn't be helping or whatever. And I, it just made me think like, that isn't the culture that I want to have in our family. Like to me, if it's snowy out, it was kind of like, Hey, do you want an extra set of hands? It's going to take a long time tonight. Um, because I feel like that that comes back to me, you know, when I ask for help with something, the last thing I want somebody to say to me is, you know, mom, you should organize your time better. It's your, (laughs) this is your job. (laughs) So it's funny that I kind of, the paper kind of sparked that post, but that has kind of been a symbol for me, the, the paper route, because I do know there are a lot of people on it who are kind of like, why, you know, why is the mom out there a lot of the time? But it's just been always something that I've been, that I've enjoyed helping with and it kind of ties in I think to that kindness theme of just helping one another right and not having a culture of I don't know tit for tat or this is your job just being available right I think those kinds of comments are reflect this value that we have culturally of independence right that if at all possible, our kids should be doing this themselves, right? That we are coddling them if if we're helping them, you know, just that is such a story <laughs> to peel back the layers on and to realize that interdependence, like relationships, connection, and helping each other out. What a culture, what a more helpful culture to have in a family, in a community, you know, because then it just grows bigger and bigger. And all those little acts of kindness that show that we see them, to sh- that show that we care to help them when they would like some help. Like, like you said, not only do we also get that back, not in an expectation kind of way, but just in this is kind of what we do as human beings, but also all that kindness in those little moments. Oh my gosh. Don't they help those bigger moments too? (laughs) Oh my gosh. The connection and, and the, the trust that are built in all those little moments just make those bigger moments a little bit easier to navigate. I think. Right. Yeah. And I love that you, you use the word interdependence and I think kindness is so related to that. It's just, acknowledging whether it's with our family, whether it's out somewhere, you know, and we're seeing people and we give somebody a hand or whatever, it, it really is that sense of kind of, we're all in this together. How can I help? How, you know, it, it, I think kindness is very linked to interdependence and just, yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I think that's, no. that's a really interesting, like even <laughs> so many times, like just out in the world, like you said, like just, seeing somebody that you're passing in a hallway and, and catching their eye and smiling and saying hi. Smile. Oh my gosh. What a difference it makes. Like people 
will be taken aback for a moment. And I've gone places, like even when it was just me or me and the kids, places that we would go to regularly. After a while, you know, some whether it's a cashier or somebody who's, you know, in that place pretty regularly, they'd be like, you guys are always smiling or you guys are always having fun. You know, it's just just being out in the world. And with that kindness and a little bit of compassion for other people is noticeable because it's different, but it's well received, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. So when we connected, um, you mentioned also that you like to think about ways for unschooling to be a little bit more accessible and affordable to more people. And that that came out, too, when we were talking about ways we might weave work together with mm-hmm. schooling. But I would like to hear some more of your thoughts around that. Yeah, so I have so many thoughts. <laughs> get too political I'll just try to keep it so I am yeah it's something I've thought about I think from probably from the beginning of the, um you know of the time that we've been involved in in home education but I don't know if some of it might be my work and just working with all kinds of different people and even when I was working as a doula um I worked with a wide range of <clears throat> of families and some of it might just be, I think, over the years in my parenting, coming across lots of different people and realizing that they were quite curious and were interested, but there are these barriers for lots of people. And, you know, what I'm not talking about, there are people who, I know it's it's a little frustrating because lots of home educating people make all kinds of sacrifices. And there are lots of people who will say, oh, I wish I could do that. I could never do that. And you know, they're, they're making different choices. And so that's kind of, that's not really what I'm talking about. There are just, you know, I think especially for, um, for kids who've maybe been identified as neurodivergent in some way, um, certainly for children and poor families, there is this narrative that school is the savior. <laughs> it's the saving grace. It's got the programs. There, you know, there's it's got the resources. Um, I'm connected with a few families who are new to Canada. And oh, you know, it would be really hard to navigate taking your children out of that system. Um, and certainly to move in like a self-directed unschooling direction, like, oh my goodness, right? That would be red flag if you if you're being watched by any kind of entity right um but yeah so I think over time I've just really been thinking about that so how does this work and what does this look like I am slightly heartened by the fact that over the last few years I think there's kind of a movement in community to excuse me make learning like libraries have become like learning hubs and community hubs in a way that they didn't used to be. And so, you know, close to me, we have a few different um, like maker spaces where they've got 3d printers and all sorts of building materials and, you know, um, families can come and take out iPads or use iMacs and, and those same spaces have like uh, 
improv classes and Toastmaster, like all kinds of different things, right? There's also an art gallery that does a lot of really good programming, like just community free programming. And I'm starting to see more of that. And so I think there is a shift toward almost like community learning. And certainly you see it online, but I don't know. I, it, I am, it is frustrating to see people kind of stuck under this. My kids need to be in school because that's where the resources are. And that's where the, the programming is. Um, I do know of a couple of unschooling families who, uh, who don't have internet and don't have a car and they are manage in really great ways, right? They use the library. They, they take out great numbers of books. They use the technology there. They go to the art programs. They go to the community events. Like it's not impossible, but I think almost more than a financial thing, it's almost more of a, you have to have the personal resources to go forward and do that. Right. So again, Pam, it's one of those things where I don't have any great answers, but I just, um, I just wanted to bring it up because I think, I think it's important. You know, I, I, I think we've seen it socioeconomically, uh, racially. It, it's, you know, everybody should have choice. <laughs> I think everybody should have choice. And for some people, school is, does feel like a good choice for them. And so that's where they put their energy. Um, and then there's other movements toward things like democratic schools and that kind of thing. And, you know, whatever's a fit for people, I think is just really important to have that choice. And for me, I just feel most comfortable in something that's rooted in like family and community. I just, for me, that's real life. And so, yeah, I'm just always thinking that through. (laughs) You know, I have connected with people individually sometimes and you know, shared resources and done some different things, but it's definitely something that um, I think about is how do we, you know, how is there real choice for people? And I think it's slow movement, but I do think we are moving, the world is moving toward more choice-based. And I think that eventually that will trickle more, more widely. Um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love, love <laughs> question right it is I love that it's something that you ponder (laughs) a lot (laughs) lot. I think that like you kept mentioning choice there because I think that is I mean for both of us that was kind of the start of our journey the realization that there was a choice right and and for people who are feeling stuck for resources they're not they're not really seeing the choice there. So as you're saying, we're seeing more and more spaces coming out or developing um, where you can see learning in different contexts outside of the classroom. And we also have more opportunity in those contexts to see our kids in action versus them, you know, being in the school and we just see them at the end of the day. And, you know, what did you learn today? Nothing kind of conversations. But when we're taking them to the maker spaces and we're seeing them do some things or we're going to the library, we're availing ourselves of the programs that they're interested in, like just there, even even if school's in the picture, um, we're seeing other ways. Right. And that's how you start to see that there there are real choices in there. And then you can start asking yourself some more questions about 
you know, would this be a good fit for my child? How might I make this work income wise? You know, all those questions um, can start to bubble up and that we feel we can ponder them versus the no school either, you know, school is the only way because we think that's legally pretty much it or resource wise, we don't think we could do anything but that. Right. But to see the world a little bit bigger and to see that there are other possibilities is where we start to see that we might actually be able to make choice. And once that lid starts to peek up, that's when you start like we did. You start like reading more about it. You start coming all of a sudden things start popping up in your life and you say, oh, geez, here's that homeschooling thing again. You know, oh, this this family's day. All of a sudden, you start to see it everywhere. Once that little seed is planted, you start, oh, you know, that kid at that program, they don't go to school. And they're still having fun. You know, they're still playing basketball like a normal kid. You know, depends. It really depends on the the history and the lens that each each person brings to the situation right as to what is going to connect for them what's going to be interesting for them but yeah I think at the root of that is just growing the understanding that there are real choices out there right yeah oh that yeah that is that is such a good point and it, you're, you're right and when you start looking for it you really <laughs> you know, you're just, or maybe you're not even looking for it but you just notice it once <laughs> Yeah. So I do, I do think there's some good energy around it, but um, yeah, it's, yeah, it it, is hard. If you're in a situation where you have resources at school, um, it's hard to leave the known for the unknown, right? It's, it's really hard. So it's kind of like, what do you replace it with? And sometimes you have to kind of build that foundation first before you can. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great point. Like, cause so yeah. just allowing yourself to ask the question doesn't mean you need to immediately change anything. Right. Exactly. Now you're learning, well, what does that look like instead? You know, and that's where you start kind of putting together that foundation that, that you talked about started to discover what other resources are out there that you may not have noticed before because you weren't looking. Right. So, yeah. Oh, it's so fascinating. I love that. It's a great question. <laughs> Keep pondering. <Aaron. laughs> so after all these years, I would love to know what has surprised you most about how unschooling has unfolded for you guys? <laughs> I think I thought about this one. You know, it's hard to come up with one. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> collaboration. I think it's what I'm going to say. I think, you know, the, the sibling relationships, um, but even just family and extended family relationships, there's just so much willingness to share everything from money <laughs> to ideas to, you know, maybe somebody's looking for a new piece of technology and they are slightly short of money and all of a sudden somebody else is partnering with them. And I, I don't know if that's directly related at all to kind of this whole life, but I think, I think it is. I think there's just so much, um, yeah, just sharing of ideas and willingness to kind of help out and, and, um, 
it's really neat. It's just kind of like all this parallel living (laughs) and people kind of dip in and out. And, and um, yeah, I think until my kids got older, I really couldn't have imagined how cool this is. Yeah. It's that interdependence piece, right? You really don't consider that, you know, it's like you said, especially when they're younger, you know, we're more their hands trying to do the things that they're trying to do. But as they kind of get through that stage and they can take care of those kind of things for themselves. And then, then you get more into the realm of ideas. You get more into the realm of connection and relationships and, and being able to help each other out how that flows and it doesn't take away from independence at all right everybody's fully got their agency their autonomy and yet how beautifully that all weaves together right it's like that independence you were talking about right (laughs) oh that is wonderful I really I love that piece and I love the word collaboration for it too, because then that's like everybody is just trying to help each other out. Again, it's not that we need, everybody needs to get something out of it, right? The way we were talking before, they don't have to be interested in our interest, but they're interested in us as a person and a human being. And we they love that we're interested in the things and they, if they can help us do the things that we're trying to accomplish, we all help each other trying to accomplish those things. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Erin. It was so much fun. Oh, Pam, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad it was such a joy. And before we go, where can people connect with you online if they'd like to get in touch? Oh, right. Um, well, you could all, I mean, they can email me at um, everlearning4 at gmail.com. I am not a huge social media person, but I did dip back in a little bit. So I do have an Instagram account again. Um, and I think that's ever.learning. I think I'm on Instagram at ever.learning. And then the website is everlearning.ca. And I think that's I'll put the links to all that. We'll make sure we get them all right. I'll put those links in the show notes. And that's awesome. Thanks so much, Erin. Okay. Thank you, Pam. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.